This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Are you unsure how to turn your dream of a perfect garden into reality? Perhaps you crave a beautiful outside space where you can relax, entertain and share precious time with friends and family, but just don't know where to start. Hello, I'm Kevin and today I'm chatting to one of the most creative garden designers at work today, Anne-Marie Powell. She's just the person to demystify garden design and share the steps we can all take to make our gardens relaxing and personal. Hello, Kevin, and thank you so much for having me. It's a real honour and what an introduction. Really very well, kind of you. I, I think it's all true, Anne-Marie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very, very kind. I mean, goodness me, I think our gardens, we've, we've got our gardening mojos back, haven't we, in this past year? We really have. Myself, certainly. Have you been gardening yourself more? More than ever. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. And I've always loved gardening, um, but I have really found that I've got back to where I want to be with gardening. It's exactly that, isn't it? It's kind of... Yeah. I had I love gardening. I've had allotments in my past. I've always had a garden, even in rented accommodation. But in the last few years, the design work has been so busy that I've just kind of neglected my garden. So in the, in the intent to make other people's gardens looking look beautiful, mine has started to look worse and worse and worse. So it's been great in a way to be locked up at home in your garden to just start doing all the things that, you know, you used to do. And it's made me realise again why I love it so much. It's just been fabulous, actually. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I mean, I always had um, kind of a, 
a guilt attached to the garden as well because so busy with work and I wanted to do it. I wanted to be doing it. Didn't ever quite have the time. Whenever I was out there, it was a snatched moment and I couldn't really get done what I wanted to do. And actually, I don't I don't feel like that anymore. You know, I'm enjoying it and using it with the family all the time. And I think we're seeing that enormously, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. And it's, it's it shouldn't feel like a chore, should it? And a race to get it done. So it should be one of those wonderful highlights of your day. And I have to say, gardening for me has been a highlight for every single day during lockdown. Do you know about my real garden? Have I told you about that? <laughs> I do know about it, but go on, tell me some <laughs> tell me some more because it has been an internet sensation, hasn't it? Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you. But it you know, my real garden, the, the reason why I did it, I had no idea what was going to happen with it, but it was to make me accountable because just what you were saying, gardening had become a chore and I needed to do something that would motivate me to actually get on with it. So I just started going live on Instagram and I continued to do it. Well, I did it every single day for 100 consecutive days. So, which was hard work with the design business as well, but my garden and me are all the better for it. It really yeah, has been it's amazing. Oh, it's been wonderful in so many ways. And we have actually made a book out of it as well. So all of the followers that have kind of been following me on this journey and doing things at the same time, because I think what I wanted to do was every time I was doing a job, saying how I did it, why I did it, where I did it, the mechanics of and reasoning behind every single process. And people were just wanting to garden last year, weren't they? And lots of new people. So I thought, okay, well, actually, the keen home gardener is much more knowledgeable than us pros give them credit for. Honestly, I have learned so much myself in this past year from the wonderful My Real Garden community. So I thought, what do we do with this? How do we harness it and make something good out of something really, really quite distressing and difficult in so many ways for so many of us, all of us, in fact. So we've made it into a book. So And the proceeds, much of the proceeds, are going to my favourite charity, which is Green Fingers. I'm a patron and we fundraise to build gardens in children's hospices. It's a joy. It's colourful. It's bright. It's vibrant. It's about people's lockdown experiences, what they've learned about themselves, what they've learned about their gardens, and all the hacks, tips and tricks, and little nuggets of information that make your garden, you know, easier to garden and make sure you're doing things right, which I know is what we're going to talk about now. How do you feel people are using their gardens differently now? Well, I think they're using their gardens... <laughs> And that was the thing, I think, before, and um, we're finding it in our design practice, actually, lots of people wanted a garden to look beautiful, but they didn't really think about the well-being benefits of gardens and how wonderful they are for wildlife. And equally, that wildlife uh, influx can actually enhance your every single day. And that of your children as well. So, And it's become kind of um, almost like a, a living television I would suggest. So, and every single warm day last year, and even when it wasn't so warm, me and my family were out there just enjoying how things had changed, how things had grown. We've got binoculars, we've got, you know, charts of the birds. My 11-year-old knows all of the bird names now. It is, it's an astonishing spectacle. So it's been our television and our sort of strength and inspiration for the last year. We're using it for everything, Kevin. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's become 
just an extension of the home even more so. You know, it is literally, as you say, for everything. Now, I I wondered, I mean, we're talking about how to, you know, transform your space, create a a garden of of your dreams or whatever um, just now. Um, For any of those people that got the bug last year, but their garden isn't quite perhaps what they would like it to be, or anyone this year that thinks, you know what, this is the year I'm going to do it, um, where where should people start if they're if they're planning a garden want to make it something different and or better than it currently is where do they begin well i'd usually say spend some time in it but we've all spent quite enough time in our gardens certainly certainly have (laughs) we really have and i think that's wonderful if you're thinking about making over your own garden in real time this year is that you know all of the foibles of that space already you know you know what drives you completely bonkers you know where the sweet spots of the garden space are you know where you want to eat with friends and family now we can invite friends back into our spaces you know how you want the garden to make you feel and I think that's wonderful and I think the first thing to do is to get it all down on paper is to write a list of everything that you want to include in that garden space including all the shocking horrors that you prefer nobody knew about (laughs) (laughs) they definitely need to go on the list we've all got those (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so and once you've written a list measure your garden you know think about how big is it what do I need to include you may need to sort of cross off some of those wish list items like when the children have put swimming pool on it (laughs) maybe make it a paddling pool (laughs) pool instead exactly (laughs) I mean you're um I know you were saying measure and and you know all of that stuff I mean I I think you know we we all get the, the idea of doing some some basic stuff with a tape measure is there anything else that you need beyond that really to get to get a grasp of it I mean we're not all obviously going to be professional garden designers that's not that's not what we're aiming for yeah I think always make things bigger than you think that you want them it's a bit like the greenhouse thing isn't it always buy a greenhouse bigger than you think you actually need so it's the same with an area for a terrace or a patio make it bigger than you think you actually need because once you're enjoying it in your sunny spot or your shady spot if you don't like to sit in the sun so you'd want it to be able to get a bigger table on it and then start with your pots you know and you know that once you start with pots it's like opening a box of joy you want more and more of those so so they need space and you want to be able to easily walk around the space and then you've got your barbecue you've got your chimney or your fire pit to extend those evenings out so um into the evening so you need some lot of space and a smaller lawn, actually. So I do kind of, I love a lawn. So, but actually, the smaller your lawn is, the less maintenance you're going to have. And the more habitat and value you can give over to, over to your planting borders. So, because although the lawn does is helpful for wildlife, it's less helpful than all of those gorgeous plants that you are planting out. So I would make the lawn slightly smaller, but it is nice between your toes, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. And I know that, uh, I mean, my daughter, she she likes doing cartwheels and backbends and all those sorts of things on the grass. So, you know, I don't so think do we'd I. ever... So do I. I quite like doing those still. <laughs> now, there is a vision to behold. <laughs> Cartwheeling. We have a um, oh. swing ball. So our lawn size is literally designated by how big a space you need to play swing ball on. 
Yeah, you see, and that's the thing, we've got we've got all that stuff, haven't we? I mean, we'll, we'll come on to that because, um, as you say, we can, uh, we can all try and fit in the horrible things, can't we, that but don't those, look so pretty. It's true, but those are kind of like the basic tips is just make sure that things are bigger than you think they are. And then it really depends on what sort of project you're wanting to do because some people will want to be just sort of making over a border, won't they? Some people will be wanting to make over the whole lot, so it really depends on the project that you're wanting to do. So I think the secret is is to know your limits, actually, because if you are taking on quite a large project, say you, you're on um, different levels and you're thinking about steps, you're thinking about drainage, you're thinking about lighting conduit, that's when I do think you need to think, can I actually do this or am I going to be chucking money literally into the garden that will need to be ripped out by a professional later? So know your limits and t- don't bite off more than you can chew because, as we just talked about, it's, we don't want it to be a chore. <laughs> you don't want it to no. become a living nightmare, do you? No, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, if you embark on a project that um, you feel comfortable with and that's within your capabilities and the time you have, then actually that's going to be much more enjoyable from the start, isn't it? Yeah. You know, as you say, don't bite off more than you can chew. What would you say to somebody that uh, is starting out has got a really blank canvas they're perhaps in a new build or you know they've just got a rectangle of lawn never really done anything with their garden before where where what would you say to them dig some borders immediately <laughs> get <laughs> you, rid of some of the grass get You've rid already of said some that. of the grass so absolutely and um you can do that in loads of different ways can't you i mean no d- dig and with uh, putting cardboard over your grass that you don't want to take and then layering on your compost on top of that so that you can just plant straight into that after a few months is a wonderfully effective good way of planting so and it makes sure that the carbon and nutrients the soil health is just all still there all the microbial bacteria so you're really making sure that you're starting something fresh that's going to grow for you. Some people still like to dig. And in a new build, I don't think that's a, quite a bad thing, actually, to be honest. It, no, because a lot of new builds, as you will know, new builds will have tons of builders' rubbish underneath. Particularly if you've got kind of a tiered um, terraced garden, that's where all of the sub-base, all of the old bricks. Builders, I do, do sometimes think, and there are exceptions to every rule, don't really kind of appreciate the value of outdoor space, do they? It's like chuck it in the garden. And unfortunately, with new builds, they have a reputation for being exactly that. So so you might want to dig over some of that soil to just get rid of some of the massive boulders, all of the mortar that's been flicked off into there. Because, you know, nothing's going to grow in that. (laughs) How how about, I mean, you know, quite a few of these sort of new spaces, um, privacy is not great or, or, you know, you just see the whole thing from a start. Could could you do anything to, you know, help help with uh, being overlooked by neighbours, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think every single garden, no matter how small it is, has got space for a tree. I just do. So, you know, I think... Trees offer such value. So they take your eye up into the sky. They give you this seasonality. So you've got something to look at all year round. It's choosing the right tree for the space, isn't it? And they don't all have to go around the edges, Kevin. So even quite a small space, if you put a tree kind of in the middle of the garden, perhaps to one side and another one at the back, it's creating these sort of... um, 
sort of living sculptures for you to look around to kind of guide your view, give you a sense of adventure. And that can block out that horrible telegraph pole by using perspective if it's nearer to the terrace than right at the very end of the boundary garden, you know? So so if you're kind of thinking about, okay, smaller tree close to the terrace blocks out more of next door neighbor's house or their hot tub and bikiniing. <laughs> There's, do you know what? There's been a lot of hot tub purchasing as well, hasn't there? It hasn't there just. Lots of the blow-up ones as well, I hear, are rather good. So, you know, yeah. so, um, so yeah, but it, uh, just they don't all have to be around the edges. We're not in the 50s anymore. You can bring your plants really quite centrally into a space and it will enhance your experience of your garden, definitely, whilst blocking out the neighbours if you use the tree. I mean, trees can even be grown in pots. And I think this is the thing that lots of people ask me as they say, can I grow this in a pot? Can I grow this in a pot? You know, you can grow anything in a pot. <laughs> that's how the nurseries sell them. And that's something that I really want people to know. So, you know, no matter where you're gardening, even if it's just on a windsill, you can grow such a massive range of plants in pots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, it, anything can you just need to care for it in the right way, don't you? That's all. Just remember that it's it's dependent on you, that plant, for its its water and, and, and feed and nutrient and everything else, but quite happily live in there, won't it? No yeah. problem. Yeah, so yeah. long as the pot's big enough for that root ball and the size of plant that you're putting into it. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So coming away from containers and, and small and small things, what about the other end of the scale? I mean, you know, there are plenty of people with gardens out there that are much bigger um, or that have some established stuff, you know, maybe some mature trees, some, some mature shrubs or whatever, but the space really isn't what they want it to be. Where, where should they start? I think you've got to start, and you said it earlier, is just how much time have you got to give your garden? So what? how much maintenance do you want to do or how much do you want to pay a gardener to do it for you? So, um, and then think about that. Think about, you know, if you have got a very large space, perhaps looking at the tree structures that you've got, being mindful of areas of outstanding natural beauty or any sort of conservation areas or any tree preservation orders that you've got in any of those trees. And think about, you know, do I want to keep that tree? Do I want to plant some new trees? Do I want to create a copse of trees? So think about the structure in the garden, first of all. And then think about, okay, so I want to create some interest. You know, do I want to use a lot of meadow? So much can be achieved by meadows, be they perennial or native meadows. And there's loads of different ways to lay meadow now as well. So on the roll or um, have you seen, we've used it at Wisley actually, the uh, the impregnated uh, soil conditioner, which has already got seeds in it, is a fantastic way of doing a meadow. So, And it's a lot more reliable, I think, than sowing by seed, which I've done at home in my small garden. But um, I know that the birds are going to take an awful lot of it. And I know that I'm whipping out any annual or perennial weeds that come up through. But for the amateur, that can be more difficult to tell, can't it? What's a weed and what's not a weed? So, so yeah, so I love meadows. They're very low maintenance, high wildlife value, massive impact and so much joy. So, yeah, so that's what I'd be thinking about. Again, okay, cool. how much time have you got for it? And then you know, design your garden accordingly. I always kind of want to keep all my pretty 
perennial shrub gorgeousness around the house because there's something gorgeous about being able to just nip out, especially in a large garden, and just enjoy something up close and personal first thing. So, And then the further away we get, the more wild and messy and wildlife you get in that space. Yeah, it sounds lovely. It sounds very romantic. I like <laughs> I like the idea of, of disappearing off into a meadow, into the countryside. It's lovely. Sounds in a nice. hammock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love a hammock. <laughs> oh, do you, know, I've, I, do you know, I've never, I've, I can't believe I'm even going to say it. I've never even been in one. I've never been in a hammock. Oh, never. my word. You need to put that on your birthday list. <laughs> so get a Mexican yeah. hammock. They're brilliant. So we've we've got ours because our rear garden, well, our garden isn't massive. So we've got a we've got a trampoline for the kids. So and um I can't wait till they're old enough to, to move out so I can turn it into a wildlife pond. Doesn't that sound awful? <laughs> but um we've got our hammock between two trees and it's it's strung over the over the um trampoline from when they're not using it. But it's right. a Mexican one, so you lie in it widthways. So you can get in it more, you know, one, two, three, four of you. And it's great fun. Really yeah. lovely. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the getting in and out. But it sounds like that might be the answer if it's... <laughs> they say that, <laughs> that there's, might that, be... there's that phrase, isn't there? Dance like nobody's watching. And maybe it should be get in and out of the hammock like nobody's watching, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Okay. Um, so we, where were we? We were on... Uh, Meadows, countryside, rolling, romantic views. Let's let's do something completely different. What if you've got the tiniest, tiniest little courtyard or even a balcony, you I know, or I, a doorstep? You know, where do you start with those minuscule spaces? Yeah, I mean, it is the obvious thing is the pot, isn't it? It really is. But I also think it's a great opportunity to play with scale. So I think when people think about container plants, they think about pelargoniums and little sort of itsy-bitsy things when actually it is better to kind of, I think, in a small space is to use that that vertical space, which really does take the eye up. And it means that you can start underplanting as well. So if you create a canopy of green foliage, you know, amelanchias or trachycarpus or whatever you're into, and then just kind of underplant with different kind of shrubs and perennials and even annuals, you'll be amazed at how much you can squeeze into the tiddliest of spaces. And you'll create atmosphere because that's what we're all actually after, isn't it? Is we want an atmosphere, that's exactly what you were talking about, thinking about your meadow, that you want to enjoy. And your garden is all about you, I believe. You know, as really, Certainly we should is. say, what is the first thing that any gardener should be thinking about when they're considering spa- their space is, what do I want? Not what's in the pretty magazines, is what do I actually want to enjoy? What will make me happy? So, you know, and I just think that glorious foliage and flower up to the heavens, what could make anybody happier? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. And it is achievable. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, what about, no, I'm thinking about a balcony, potentially quite harsh conditions, maybe very exposed or, or whatever. I mean, I'm guessing there are ways around that. Yeah, I think a lot of silver leaf plants would do really well for you. So it's you are thinking about the Mediterranean sort of plants because 
the Mediterranean plants on a balcony or on a roof terrace, for example, you'll uh, find that you'll get a lot of wind. And wind, as you know, Kevin, is just as drying as no rain, actually. So you want plants that will really kind of be able to um, persist in those sort of conditions. So you think about sort of the more mountainous plants too. So, but, you know, grey leaf plants like lavenders, santalinas, or fine small leaf plants. And, and in towns, of course, furry-leaved plants as well, because they will actually take in some of the, the, the dirt of the atmosphere around you and clean the air. So, you know, so we do have a responsibility, I think, to to all of your neighbours and to everybody to do these small individual acts of planting stuff up. It's all about right plant, right place. Good yeah. old Roy Lancaster, that, wasn't it? So <laughs> a hero, every gardener's hero. Well, we, and also as well, it's... Um, I think it's one of the phrases we say and use at the magazine the most. It is, it's one of probably, it, was it maybe the most important rule of gardening? Maybe, could well be, couldn't it? I don't think it's stretching it that much. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no point in putting a plant somewhere where it hates. It will die. You might as well just bury your money in the, in the hole. So, or in the pot. So yeah, it's do your research. Make sure that you are, if you're on a balcony, that you're looking at those sort of plants that will thrive. So, but I'd still try, if, once you've got all of that backdrop, I'd still try to grow a little bit of veg, you know, these days. A little bowl of salad. Because you, if you get it right on the periphery of a small terrace, a roof terrace or a balcony, you can create a little bit of a microclimate. So, and that's where you can use your you know, cropping salad bowls and nothing gives me more joy or a few tomatoes, so tumblers, so reliable veg that you, yep. there's nothing better is there to just go out. Often it doesn't make my kitchen because I've scoffed it before I've got back Well, there. that's that's exactly the thing. I mean, I, you know, I grew some of the loveliest tomatoes I think I've ever tasted last year. And that was the thing. They didn't, they didn't go anywhere. You know, they were straight, straight popped in your, in your mouth. They're just... Great. And the thing is, you don't have to be trying to be self-sufficient, do you? That's not what it's about. It's just the joy of seeing something come from nothing to something and there it is on your plate. And there's so much satisfaction, isn't there? And you don't need loads of it. So you don't need loads and loads of produce so at all, because I think part of, um, or a lot of gardening with annuals, be they annual hardy annuals like sunflowers, for example, or your tomatoes or your kohlrabi or your agretti or whatever you're growing. It's it's the magic of growing it, isn't it? And just seeing these little plants come to life. It's all, I've thought, all the way through lockdown about planting hope. And it is looking to the future, for sure. And it's unusual because I used to have an allotment, but I had to give it up. But this past year, I've enjoyed so much growing veg that I'm going to be growing so much more of it this year. So watch out. My veg splodge is about to take over the garden, I think. <laughs> now, I was I was intrigued and we've just touched on it a little bit earlier when uh, you talked about the, the kid trampoline. Uh, and I've got a daughter, I've got a swing that I really hate. Really, 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 really unpleasant to look at. Yeah. So if you if you are, you know, thinking, right, I want to make my garden look a bit nicer this year, but I've got the washing line, I've got the trampoline, I've got the scooters on the lawn all the time. Oh, and then there's the bins too to put somewhere. How do you how do you tackle all of that stuff? Well, the trampoline should be sunk into the ground immediately, so I think. So 
And um, and that's wonderful because as soon as the trampoline, although I don't think it's ever going to leave our garden. So our 16-year-old still, he's six foot four and he still backflips on it and all sorts. <laughs> so yeah, it's petrifying actually. So, and then Bert, my youngest, he's just bang into it at the moment. So every time I think they've got bored of it and I can sneak it out, nope, come straight back into the top 10 of, of, of children's fun. So, um, so yeah, so that will change into a wildlife pond eventually. But I have everything sort of snuggled. It's all surrounded by by plants, really. And you can do it in so many ways. You can grip cottages of cheese, you can trees. You could have a productive hedge and just plant things behind that. So it's it's a useful, productive environment as well. We did used to use a lot of bamboo back in the 90s until all of us designers found that it spread like bilio. So, but there was a lot of hiding of uh, play equipment behind black bamboo, Philostachys nigra. So if you can still yeah. do it with pots, if, if that's your vibe, with going for a more architectural feel. Um, with, with swings, I would always go for timber, not plastic. So, but um, grow climbers up the legs of them, you know, sort of yeah. make sure that they are part of the garden. And what fun is that? So bins... That's my next thing. Bins in our house are the nem- my nemesis. So I'm going to get a bin store and then sort of see how I can sort of grow some green walling up the side of it. So I might actually let the hedge grow over the top of the bins where they are at the moment. So there is a bit of a, a natural canopy over the top and it'll be a timber structure. Might even make it out of pallets. Because this is the thing. I love having fun with my own garden and trying out all of these techniques. Things that I would never dream of putting in the clients, actually. (laughs) There are some... there there seems to be like a black market of pallets as well at the moment. I've seen so many, so many pallet projects. You can't, you can't get them from London Money. So, no. But they are great. They're great. They yeah. really are. They're so good for all sorts. Yeah, absolutely. But it does need to be a bin store. I mean, the Garden Trellis Company does the most beautiful bin stores and you can have them painted in the same colour as your front door. So you're not looking at the horrible numbers pointed on the side of your green or black bin or your recycling. So, and the washing line, we, I love a washing line and um, clients will often ask, you know, think, look at me strangely about a washing line. So when I say, where are you going to put your washing line? But I love a rotary and, and um, I encourage clients and to do this myself at home, just have various spots in the garden so it's not in one place and put it away at night, you know, just don't leave it out. So, you know, that's that's the perfect way of doing it. But log stores as well. I do think you should be incorporating log stores under furniture. So, you know, or stacks as well. So, and they can be very beautiful things. So it's thinking about the challenges of the garden, isn't it? And how you can garden-esque them. And generally speaking, I think that's through good arrangements. So off the peg products, some of them are very good, or they can also, of course, be uh, uh, individualized for your own use. And plants every time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've come back to that a few times. And I think, um, you know, the, the thing is as well, a plant is, it's there, isn't it? If you look after it well, it's it's going to just get better and better the longer you have mm. it. And it's, as you say, it's a sort of an investment for the future often, but um, not all the time. Some of them are really quick growing, can do something interesting in a season. And brilliant, yeah. what's and not I to think, like? I think people are scared of giving up too much space over to plants. So that's, that's something that we really feel we have to educate our clients about, actually. So, and um, and one of my, well, two of my biggest bugbears actually in gardens when I go and visit is when you have paving going right up to the house, 
there's no planting bed between the wall and the path is to just leave some space to actually grow those climbers up from the soil through the earth much more easy than in a container and just create this kind of lovely floral skirt that brings the house into the garden and beyond, you know? So we will always make sure that we've got borders in between our terracing, our paths and the garden beyond. Just makes your life nicer. What would? How can people live without roses and honeysuckle up their house? Okay, so putting plants to one side for a moment, you know, we've talked about terraces and and uh, well, um, and paths and other things. What should people think about when they're coming to choose materials for this stuff, either in terms of cost or uh, in relation to how materials look with the building or the house or whatever? What sh- what should people consider? I think it, I think you've really got to um, give as much investment to build materials as you possibly can. It's Buy it once, build it right, and have it forever, quite honestly. So we put a really high level of uh, of uh, confidence into the construction of our gardens. We want it to be built by the best. So we want the materiality to be to the best as well. So, so it really is a case of just choosing what goes well with your house or the interior of your house, and then making sure that you've got the best quality of material that you can get. There's so much stone, porcelain, deck, all sorts of materials, gravel on the market. And I can't tell you that if you get quality, like with with everything in life, then it will last. So, and with stone, for example, it's about the density and the porosity of that stone. So the, the less dense it is, the more water can get into it. So the less cracking and shaling off of surfaces that you will get. So, so and, and the, the denser the material, the more expensive it is. But it's so important to make sure that you're not making a sort of cheap investment that will last you for a couple of years. I know a lot of people use Indian sandstone, so but we like to prefer to use a higher grade, a higher quality of sandstone or limestone or whatever stone it is for longevity. So it really is shop around, do your research, and then make sure that it's installed correctly. So I go to so many gardens where you see very sad clients who've had work done and it's only lasted five or six years. So you want to make sure that if you're doing it yourself, then you really are doing your research and building it to industry standards. Or if you're not, that you're employing a contractor who has been vetted by one of the industry, Bali or the APL or you know other, other boards, or has been recommended to you very, very highly and you've seen their work. Because it's a lot of money you know, if you're doing it yourself, you're investing your savings and your um, money into a garden environment. And even millionaires have budgets, Kevin, they do. So we need, yes. they do. And we need to make sure that they're, they get bang for their buck and they get longevity. So, you know, and so it is about putting the best, building it right and doing it once really. Okay, that sounds very sound advice. I mean, it's interesting we, we've come quite naturally on to cost uh, because I'm sure lots of people that will be listening will be thinking, oh, crumbs, it just costs a fortune to make a garden. And, um, you know, we, we don't have that. And oh, we'd still like to make a difference this year or whatever. Or, or this is something that is perhaps a longer term project. I mean, what would you say to people that you know, they're worried about how much this is going to cost and they think it's out of reach for them. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And gardens are expensive. There's no doubt about that. So they are. Um, but they're expensive for a reason. They do kind of, if you do it right, they will look after you for the rest of your time in that house. And the amount of well-being and, and health and happiness you'll get and memories you create, I do believe are worth it. That said, you know, there's so much you can do, a very little cost value. So I think if you're wanting to do something this year, start planning next year straight away and saving your pennies. And this year, just go wild with annuals. There is still time to plant annual seeds. And, and honestly, they want to live. It can sound very, very kind of taxing and, you know, difficult. It's not difficult. All you need is, you know, compost, a tray or a pot and some seed. So, and time and, and patience. And off you go. And off you go. And honestly, a single packet of seed, which should cost you two quid, you can, I mean, I potted up 60 sunflowers this morning before I came to work. So because they, ne <laughs> yeah, they needed it. They needed to be pricked out. So How did you have time to do that? That's I, I got up at well six o'clock this Crikey. morning to do it. So yeah, but that's, I just was, I'm not letting these get any leggier. So, so 60 sunflowers, can you imagine? You can imagine 60 sunflowers in your mind's eye, perhaps, cover up quite a lot of space, all for a recycled pot that I already had, a little bit of compost, we're talking pounds, and two quid for the seed, perhaps. Maybe I had two packets, actually, so let's say four. So, but, you know, for about a fiver, you're getting an awful lot of value. You just need patience, time, and honestly, nature will work its magic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on the, on the flip side, there might be one or two people listening that think, do you know what? I have got a little bit of money, actually, put to, put to one side. Uh, I haven't been on a, on holiday, you know. Um, I've, I've saved a bit. Um, I've got a bit of money to spend, actually. Where where should they prioritise? Where should, where should they... What should they spend their money on if they've got a little bit to, I to think play with? I think if you've got some money burning a hole in your pocket, I think the very best place to spend it is on structure, and that's hard landscaping. So it's the bones of any garden. It's what is going to you know, enable you to walk around the space comfortably. And if you can get around your space easily with paths, so be they gravel or paved, you know, we all have that thing, don't we, on occasion where we wish, like if, or if you're me, you wish that you had a path around your lawn, <laughs> you know, in the depths of winter. So I would invest it in the structure, structural layout of your garden. So paths, steps always make your steps nice and generous so they can double up as seats so and also each side of the steps always plant so the wider your steps the more planting space you've got and then really your terrace your patio whatever you want to call it so make sure that you've got a quality layout that has some interest in it you know choose your paving wisely as we've already discussed but yeah it's investment spending it's always got to be the hard landscaping I'd say first of all it's what you see okay. all the way through the year when everything else is changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what do people often get wrong when they're embarking on creating a garden? Do you, uh, ever, do you ever see common mistakes when you're going into spaces? Loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> but my two, and I tried to kind of say that tactfully, Kevin, but you just came straight out with it, didn't you? So is, uh, <laughs> is with steps, I just see so many mean-spirited steps. You know, I do love a step, even quite a level garden. I mean, 
hardly any gardens are completely flat because they do even give you a sense of that you're moving from one space to another and, you know, from one area to another perhaps. And they're always a good place to nestle. But I often see steps that are really sort of very steep, very short, and it's just like you feel like you've got to run up them, you know. So, and you want to you want to waft around a garden, don't you? You want to kind of drape yourself around it, really, and you want to go at a slow speed. So, steps if they're wide, generous, large, you can sit with your cup of tea. You can put some pots on each of the side of the tread if you feel like it. They really are a key feature for me, and I see them done wrong so often. You know, people often will have railway sleepers, won't they? And they'll just have one as a step tread and then the next one is another step tread. They're so mean spirit and they're slippery, you know? So. Yeah. It's like, well, that's that's similar sort of to your stairs in a house, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very and that's a very different thing. A staircase is not the same as a set of steps in an open yeah. space outside. Exactly. And there's so much more than just steps. They are impromptu seat. They are pot stands and they are about you just, as I say, sort of feeling a bit film star wafting around in your lovely caftan with your gin and tonic in your hand, you know? Think more Margot. That's what I think. <laughs> See, now, this is this is interesting because, you know, I mean, there's nothing I love more than a glass of wine in the garden. It's my probably my most favourite most favorite thing to do. But that's all about um, how the space makes you feel isn't it? And and the experience you're having in it. And I mean, we've talked about, you know, hard landscaping, choosing plants, all of that sort of technical side of creating a garden, if you like. But how do you go about making it feel beautiful and personal and the space that you want it to be? Well, I think you have to think about how you live and what you like. So because I think you can be Without any disrespect to you, Kevin, sometimes when you look at magazines such as Gardener's World, you just kind of feel quite overwhelmed. It can be overwhelming when you start doing your research. So I often think you've got to look inside your house to see how you live inside because people are very comfortable now, aren't they, with interior dressing themselves. So so you'll know if you like warm, hot colours or if you want a more kind of knocked back, laid back palette of neutrals. So, and I think... If you extend that kind of feeling, it's a very hackneyed phrase now, isn't it? The outdoor room. But it's such a good trick is if you blend out the interior to the exterior. So, and you can do that if you're liking very neutral tones, then you might want more vintage is what we call it at AMPG in our studio here is, is the more sort of paired back dusty coloured tones of irises and the like, just to give a little bit of energy and atmosphere. So, but without shouting over the space, which you might get with, you know, some of the more vibrant tithonias and sunflowers and, uh, you know, all the things that I'm talking about. I love a bit of bright personally. So, but um, it is, <laughs> surprise, surprise. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I do too as well. Do you know what? Yeah. I was pricking out tithonia at the weekend. So okay. favourite favorite for me as well. So uh, you, I don't need any convincing at all. No. Yeah, exactly. But it is kind of, and, and it's also about kind of wall colours and the colours that you might dress your, your, um, your table in. So it's the whole cohesive experience. So I think, because if you're wanting to create atmosphere and vibe and somewhere that you feel happy, 
don't you need to think about okay so what what, what color am i going to paint that wall how are we going to have our uh, table dress when friends come around or we have a family supper you know what color are the chair cushions cushions going to be i have lots of outdoor rugs so do i i want those to tone in with so you're creating a room outside you know, whatever your uh, budget is to spend on the garden, you're thinking about key elements, key colours, key inclusions, and you're creating this wrapping world around you, aren't you? So I would always start with what you like, how you dress, you know, what, what's your living room look like? So what's in your fridge even? <laughs> it's it's thinking about who am I and and what's going to make me happy. And actually sod what everybody else is doing in their own gardens. Okay, there's loads of really, really uh, enthusiastic people that have got this fantastic drive to to do something with their gardens. Um, You know, what should they do here and now in the coming weeks to transform it for this summer? Well, I think start saving for next year because if you've just started... If you've just started, if it hooks you, you're going to find that you want to spend more money (laughs) on it. It is, you know, as you know, the garden grows on you and you are helpless but to respond and to nurture it. And it does take a few pounds or a few thousands of pounds, depending on how deep your pockets are. But I think the very best thing that you can be doing now is it's not too late to sow any seeds. It really isn't. So you'll just get your seeds and flowers. Well, your seedlings will flower later in the year. And get your pots sorted. They can be moved around the terrace. They can be moved around the garden. You can put them in the borders if people are coming around and it looks a bit lax. So you can. they are portable mini gardens that can transform any area of your garden as you want it to be, providing they're not too big. And it can, of course, you can do that with 10 pots. You can have, have them all over the place depending on who's coming around and where you're sitting. Yeah, great. Well, there we are. So sow some seeds, sort your pots out. Done. And have fun. You know, enjoy it. It is a gorgeous thing to be doing. It really is. Sitting outside, being with nature, watching the clouds roll by, and even the the rain sometimes under my outdoor brolly. It really does get you through some tough, difficult times. And we all know about that, don't we? Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. And for more gardening tips and inspiration, why not try our new magazine subscription offer for podcast listeners at buysubscriptions.com forward slash GWpod. You'll also find our special offer in the podcast pages on gardenersworld.com, where we also share more about today's themes. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time 